Welcome everyone to the show of requirement here on the Gazebo Effect podcast. It's your host, David Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Price. I'm here. <laughs> so if you've been following our journey as of this point, you know that we're currently in the Marauders Writing Room series. We've done the first two, the Marauders Map, the Marauders Journey. Spencer, we're concluding that story here today with this podcast episode. I'm just going to let you go ahead and, and take, take off. Share with us what you got. All right. So this one is, is big in terms of it's a little lengthy because there is a lot of events we had to cover, but I definitely couldn't make it into two movies. At least I didn't feel like it was the right choice to make. And so this one is going to be titled The Order of the Phoenix. And I really just wanted this one to be what really ties the our prequel series into Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And so there definitely will be some callbacks to the other two. Um, and so if you haven't listened to those, I would highly recommend listening to those just be especially to the journey because this one picks up more or less exactly where journey left off yeah what kind of freak decides to just start on a podcast episode in the middle of a series gosh if that's you get off our podcast we don't need you loser <laughs> honestly listeners are pretty good with that because with the high yeah. republic i feel like there is like the, it's like the most is the first one and then the second one then the third one which is like it would it could be negative but on a positive note it's like no one's just picking up on the third one like a like a maniac <laughs> yeah for sure we and have so, smart listeners anyway so it's true so we're also concluding the whole marauders writing room series so there's going to be some goals that we set at the beginning that mm-hmm. we can that come kinda, back into play we're going to yeah. try and finish up everything that happens there are a few things that have to happen in this. And so this will kind of give you not what's going to happen in the plot in like a quick succession. It's just going to be like, as we go through the story, you'll notice that these things will happen. <clears throat> and of course, a lot of these are just, oh my gosh, my voice is going away. Goodness. <clears throat> a lot of these have to happen to make Harry Potter make sense. And there's a few of these that I will try to do, or I have tried to do. So these are the must-haves. The Order of the Phoenix is formed. Um, Necessary characters are introduced with that. The Potters get married. Frank and Alice Longbottom and the Potters repeal Voldemort a couple of times each. As we know from Marauder's Journey, the Potters have already, well, they weren't the Potters then. It was James and Lily, James Potter and Lily Evans. They've already repealed Voldemort once. Uh, Peter becomes a double agent for the Death Eaters officially. And then uh, the whole process of like the Longbottoms and Potters, uh, the Potters and the Longbottoms become pregnant with Harry and Neville, respectively. And of course, they're born as well. Things that I want to do, uh, I want Hagrid to get a little more character development. I want, there's a scene, there's a story that was told at some point, I don't know if it was in the original series or when it was, but James and Sirius are like fighting Death Eaters in the street and then they get pulled over by the Muggle police. (laughs) So I want to try and do that and then have a little time for Severus Snape. But this was, I think I wrote that down when I was going to make it a part one, part two, but he's going to get a lot of play at the end because, well, if you've seen the Deathly Hollows or read it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I had a chance to read it this morning on the day that we're recording this episode, and I was really excited about everything that's going to be going on. Um with some comments that I'll make throughout. You so, mean you read this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought you read yeah. you read the whole Deathly Hollows this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally did. 700 pages. Just bloop. You know, 
Especially with Harry Potter, 700 pages just go by like that. Like, honestly. I mean, seriously, like, I'm, as people know, I'm preparing for the last Percy Jackson. I read the last right. Olympian in like a week, but I was mm -hmm. flying through it. So, yeah, and that's pretty And long. even looking at looking at Luke and I reading uh, Light of the Jedi, we read it within a week. Just really fast. I mean, but it's half of the book that the Deathly Hallows is. is. And for me, reading the Deathly Hallows like years ago, I read it in four days. I, I just could not put it down. So that's what that's what this movie kind of feels like to me. It's like the Deathly Hallows, but not not as good of an ending or a happy of an ending. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, David, Sorry. thanks. I mean, the Deathly Hallows <laughs> is a fantastic ending. And this oh, one doesn't sure. yeah. tie the knot because we know Voldemort will come back. Right. Cool. Yeah. OK, but yeah, let's get into it. So act one, the order is formed. This one is actually where I insert, this is the first one where I really inserted, this is where the opening title is going to happen. So our third movie opens with the wedding of Lily and James Potter. I want it to feel like the reception is going to be interrupted by the war, just like Deathly Hallows, but it ultimately doesn't. Of course, we get to see another shot of a wizard wedding. Of course, our marauders are going to be groomsmen. I don't know who would be the bridesmaids, so <laughs> maybe Alice Longbottom. We should have uh, the first year made up character be like a bridesmaid. No, but we could have <laughs> him. We could have him be at the wedding. So it's like a callback. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Jeffrey. His name's Jeffrey. David. Yeah, let's get Jeffrey up in there. But we nothing bad happens at the wedding james and lily go on their honeymoon we get an idea of what a wizard honeymoon is sort of like maybe this is still probably gonna be pg-13 so don't, don't freak out over here anyway they're having a good old time in oh i bet <laughs> they're having a good old time at a cottage in france kind of on by the ocean i'm thinking like normandy or something and then Fox appears, Fox the Phoenix appears with a message, and the piece of paper has nothing on it except a stamp of a phoenix. And so James basically says to Lily, I think our honeymoon's going to have to be cut short. And then that's when the opening title happens. Which is? Uh, the Order of the Phoenix. Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Although I'm not sure if it's... If we'll have to do something like the Marauders Order of the Phoenix, like the Marauders colon Order of the Phoenix, I'm thinking just like, do the Order I feel of the like Phoenix. We have to. Well, either you feel way, like we it have works. to. I think we have to because the way that we've been doing the title has been the Marauders map, the Marauders journey, the Marauders Order of the Phoenix. But so this it's, time, it's it not necessarily them... possessive. Well, not necessarily. I think it's going to be like Fantastic like, Beasts, colon, Crimes of Grindelwald. Right. Like this will be The Marauders, right. colon, The Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily possessive, but it could be one of those things to where it's like, this is something that they were a part of. Yes. More or Absolutely. Less. Yeah. And they kind of, in a way, make the team. Mm-hmm. Or at least they're some of our, our biggest players. Yeah. So a certain amount of time has passed from the first shot. Um, it basically a season because the wedding was in the summer. So this is going to be fall, just sometime. We'll show that in the background. The clouds fade to reveal a dark house with the dark mark ringing in the sky above. You hear the familiar popping sound of apparition. Sirius walks toward the house when he hears another apparition behind him. He turns his head slightly and whips around with his wand lit to see Remus. But their faces don't change when they see each other. They're still, like, defensive. And Sirius asks, what is pictured on the walls of my room? To which Remus replies, I'm sure whatever hair care potion posters James's father has left over. Sirius smiles and gives him a hug. 
And Remus just remarks, when are you going to move out of their house anyway? And then Sirius is like, when they kick me out, I guess. But of course, this is still like a sad scene. This is a sad time. So they investigate this house. It's a muggle house. And all of the muggles are killed. And they're just kind of taking note of what happened to them. Kind of playing detective. Um, they see one person was tortured with the Cruciatus Curse. And then they see a werewolf has made his mark on one. They kind of draw straws what they're doing. and Because they've done this, you know, dozens of times. Right. And so Remus starts to clean up with certain enchantments to hide the magical effects. While Sirius makes a Patronus, his is, naturally, a big black dog. Sending a message saying, another family in Doncaster killed. Seems Greyback is moving north. And then he sends it away. Upon finishing with the bodies, Remus says uh, homunculum and crucio avada cadabra. Anyway, and then it cuts to Remus walking out. He asks Sirius if he sent the Patronus. Sirius nods. They turn, aim their wands at the house, and light it on fire. With a, with a second charm to kind of contain the fire. And they walk down the street, and they turn to see Fox behind them with the same message that he gave James and Lily. They look at each other, Remus says he'll have to make the report to Arthur Weasley at the Ministry, and they apparate separately. After they disappear, it pans away to show the smoke of the house covering up the dark mark. Okay, so I have a quick question just real sure. quick. So as Remus is saying, you know, Crucio, Avada Kedavra, that's again him just taking notes, right, of so, what has happened? So homunculum is a charm. Right, and it's one to it's basically the charm that they used on the Marauders map. Yes, but it's kind of in reverse. So they're using it to track magical. What has happened? What they're using it to track the wizards who did it. Ah, uh, gotcha. It okay. kind of helps them follow the path, in a way. Okay. And it doesn't. It doesn't always work, but it's a very special <laughs> charm that pretty much only the Marauders know. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. But that's what they used to make the Marauders map. So that's kind of another, yeah. it's another callback, but in a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And so they have to, they have to leave separately because Remus has to make a report to Arthur Weasley at the ministry. So Remus and Sirius, at least, I think James as well, are Aurors now, but they're also secretly part of the Order of the Phoenix. So now it cuts to the Order, which is meeting at, Alpheus Doge's home. I don't know if you remember that character. In the Deathly Hallows? Yes. He's kind of a really old man by then, but he was yeah, more active. Yeah, friend of the Dumbledores, right? Yes, and he also was sort of a, a member of the Order of the Phoenix, just not, of That's course, right. he's old. So, mm -hmm. But he's more. he was more active in the First Order of the Phoenix. And so they meet at his home, which it has to look decently like 12 Grimald Place at Sirius Black's house because... Uh, the movies made a little oopsie and had the first order of the Phoenix picture. They had it taken at Sirius Black's house, but his family are supporters of Voldemort at this time. So we're going to try and remedy that a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not a big deal. Dumbledore and a noticeably younger Moody are leading the meeting. I guess Moody would have two eyes. Yeah. At this point in time, he would have two eyes mm -hmm. because uh, one of the wizards they talk about later took a piece of him with him. Yeah. <laughs> so Moody is given some kind of BA speech, including constant uses of his iconic line, constant vigilance. <laughs> the Longbottom, Sirius, and Peter are all set on a path to stop the rumored assassination of the prime minister. While Remus, Hagrid, and the Potters are attempting to track Greyback's movements and his like group that's with him, and so before they so, leave, they take the historic picture that we see in Order of the Phoenix. Right, and so Greyback. Yes. What is his importance in tracking him down? Is he like Voldemort's top kind of lieutenant? So kind of he thing? becomes he's the one doing that. More he's at this point, they don't know that he's connected to Voldemort or not. Of course, mm -hmm. they probably always assume. But Greyback is a criminal who 
of course, is a werewolf. And so he kind of terrorizes the UK with a group of werewolves, wizards. And he, I don't know if this is for sure, but I'm pretty sure he also made Remus a werewolf way back when. But he's kind of having his own tirade and they're not sure if he's connected to Voldemort, but either way, he's kind of taking advantage of the ministry being not on their best guard to kind of... Yeah, because they're dealing with everything that's happening, everything that's going on in the wizarding world or all across the UK. Greyback, whether he's with Voldemort at this time or not, he's causing enough destruction to where the Aurors have to kind of step in or, or like the order has re- to yeah yeah the order has to step in because basically they can't just neglect the yeah UK. the whole reason that voldemort gets so much ground so quickly is because the good guys in the ministry of magic are fighting with like almost both hands behind their back because they're trying to fight the dark wizards but they also have to cover all of their destruction from the muggles so mm-hmm. basically yeah. the statue of secrecy is a huge like burden and that's basically why they pretty much get beat the first time or they almost get beat the first time and then they get pretty beat the second time Mm -hmm. so now we kind of transition into act two our heroes grow together and engage the enemy for the first time in this movie (laughs) so now we have this separate we have this adventure for most of act two it's going to be james lily and remus james lily remus and hagrid traveling tracking down grayback and so i've kind of written myself into a corner because uh hagrid can't apparate because he doesn't he's not experienced enough in magic and strictly speaking he quote unquote doesn't do magic although we know that his pink umbrella is a wand so they're traveling northward they're taking the night bus and they kind of discuss on the bus why they joined the order of course hagrid joined because of dumbledore so three new wizards enter the bus along the way and james and lily catch on last second that they're death eaters so there's this whole battle breaking out on the moving night bus so it's kind of like the Prisoner of Azkaban where they're flying through London and stuff and they keep like the bus keeps changing form and stuff, except now we also have a battle going on in the back. James and Lily battle boldly, with James disarming one using Expelliarmus, which is just a callback to his son Harry, his favorite spell. And then so he disarms him and then Lily stuns the same one. Um, and Remus is dueling with one, but Hagrid shoves the beds into him and, like, crushes him, saving Remus. I mean, Hagrid's kind of got to use brute force. So, of course, they have to leave the bus, and Hagrid says... <laughs> I don't know if I want to read this out loud. I tried to write in Hagrid speak. <laughs> it's all right. I got a plan, I got a plan see? So outside of the village they're in, uh, a friend of Hagrid's breeds Abraxian horses. They're similar to Pegasi. They're flying horses. And on returning a favor to Hagrid, lets them take the horses and fly north. And so now they find another family who was attacked, like another house, in the wake of Greyback and his group. Um, But this time it was in broad daylight. So they're assessing the situation. James and Remus discuss details tying this family's death to Greyback, or they're trying to tie it to Voldemort's followers, or both. Uh, Hagrid is curious about Remus's extensive knowledge of werewolves, but does not ask. <laughs> they discuss how they will continue following them with the, the spell that, he, that Remus cast earlier. It ran out at this house. So they, they kind of ran out of like magic to track them with. James stops the conversation and he asks if Hagrid knows a way. So they're kind of arguing on what they should do. And James is like, let's see if Hagrid knows what to do. And Hagrid uh, kind of sheepishly looks at them. He shuffles his feet and he pulls out his pink umbrella. And so he kind of noticed that 
they had flown to this house using Thestrals because he was able to track their, their tracks. And he mutters a few spells with his umbrella and they begin to feel a breeze going through. And the leaves and kind of nature kind of leave a direction of leaves and debris and they hop on their horses and fly north with Hagrid in the lead. So in the distant north in the mountain country of Scotland, they find the meeting place. I'm thinking it's some kind of huge barn or building. Uh, night is falling and suddenly Remus starts to look pale and ill. And James and Lily immediately know what is going on. Remus and James lock eyes, knowing full well that under no circumstances can James change form in front of Hagrid into his stag form. They nod at each other. James takes a deep breath and casts a spell, producing chains and chains Remus to like a tree. Because <laughs> they don't have like the potion or anything. So he's like, this sucks. Man, but... that's sad. Isn't it? Man, that sucks. Yes. But also, like, we hadn't seen Remus transform for, like, since the first movie. So that right, has to be something right. we can't kind of forget. Yeah. So James, Lily, and Hagrid sadly leave Remus to get closer, and they spy to find a massive gathering. Giants, werewolves, goblins, and wizards are all being brought together by Voldemort himself. And it's almost like Voldemort's been waiting for them. <clears throat> like, it's kind of a trap. And so, of course, it's a trap. It's a trap. So, of course, they're found out. James and Lily begin to duel, you know, a dozen at a time. Hagrid has his crossbow. But Voldemort begins to easily overpower them. And James casts, like, another blinding light spell, kind of like the one we saw in Marauder's Map. And they, they make a run for it. And so it's kind of a... I want this running sequence to feel very similar to the Deathly Hollows when they're running from Snatchers. Just yeah, that's what he, That's exactly what I was thinking as well. Seeing this. And that's exactly what it's going to be. It cuts to Remus in the distance hearing the commotion, but looking at, up at the full moon, bows his head and begins to painfully change into a werewolf. So James, Lily, Hagrid with his crossbow are all shooting as they go, but they start to be completely overrun because some of the wizards are werewolves, and so of course they're going to be running a lot faster. Yeah, because they're changing as well, right? Yes, but they're okay with it, obviously, because they're yeah. evil. They're monsters. <laughs> James is chained at the feet by a curse. Lily stops saying, like, I won't leave you. Hagrid does a special whistle, and essentially the forest comes alive with thistles and sticks flying every which way from them, kind of shielding them and, like, attacking the enemy. Hagrid picks both of them up and breaks for it, whistling again for the horses. Mm. Hagrid just going to town. Seriously, just being a hero. That's that's what I wanted to do, man. He's great. Yeah, I wanted sure. to see him in yeah. action. Like he doesn't need yeah. all these fancy spells. Like he knows intimately ma nature, magic, and stuff. So mm. yeah. So Remus wakes up in Elpheus Doge's house, which is the headquarters for the Order, and James, Lily, Sirius, and Peter are all with him. He thanks them, and uh, Dumbledore's in the background, of course, and he acknowledges Hagrid as the one who went back for Remus, saying, just, just for one more time for clarity, I would trust Hagrid with my life. And he leaves the room. It's a good callback. It's a good callback. He has got to say it a bunch of times. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, seven months pass. Sirius and James are hunting Death Eaters down the streets of London. There's these awesome shots for the audience of Death Eaters on the run, and every once in a while they turn back, but they can't see James and Sirius, who, with shadows, we know we can see that they're kind of assuming their uh, anime, animagus forms. And of course, we're using shadows to save money on the CGI budget. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I just like the shadow shots that they always do. One of the Death Eaters gets bit by uh, a dog, which is Sirius, and the other gets slammed into a wall, unconscious by an invisible force, which we'll learn is James in his stag form, but he's under the invisibility cloak. Um, the one who was bit backs into a corner and is hit by Petrificus Totalis and then blinded by another spell. James removes his cloak and Sirius transforms, and 
James is like, let me tell you serious, this cloak was not made for stags. Is it big enough? Like, how big is the invisibility cloak? Or how big is a stag? Uh, huge? A stag's pretty big, but also the size yeah. of the invisibility cloak is never fully explained. Uh-huh. It could easily cover a full-grown wizard. Right. But Will also... Hagrid? No, it would not cover Hagrid. Because <laughs> he's, like, 12 feet tall. But yeah. it's revealed, like, in at least Half-Blood Prince, I think, that if Ron, Hermione, and Harry crouch down as much as possible, they can all get under it. Hmm. With, with their feet showing... The size of a stag. Yeah, with their feet kind Maybe. of showing... So, in the dark, in the middle of the night, you're pretty invisible. I'm using right. I'm using the fact that they've never established how big the cloak is to to my advantage. <laughs> oh, we could do a funny scene where like he leaves it in the dryer for too long and it shrinks. <laughs> I don't think wizards use dryers. <laughs> That's fair. So we see them. Walk, we see Sirius and James again walking out of the ministry, tired but relieved at another day's hard work. As most days, it isn't always in their favor. They're usually running away. Sometimes they catch them. They walk into Flu Powder and walk into Andromeda's house. Andromeda waves as they pass by. Uh, Sirius says, "How's our little Tonks?" They walk out the door and they take a port key. The port key drops them off at Remus's house and uh, Remus and Peter are discussing movements of Death Eaters when they walk in. They all draw wands and look at each other. A long pause, and they all say at once, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. And then they kind of laugh, but it's kind of a sad laugh because it's that childhood that's been lost. Remus remarks that James has a wife expecting him, and James laughs at his joke as, I'm not the only one she's expecting. And he goes, let's all go. We've got a report to make. And they all walk into Remus's fireplace because there's a closed loop between Remus's fireplace and the Order headquarters. Uh, meme alert. Okay. There's going to be a meme. If this, if this film, and it definitely will, if this film ever gets made, there's going to be a meme uh, of Sirius saying, how's our little Tonks? And then Remus is going to say, how's my little wife? Because they get married in the future. Oof, that's awkward. Yeah, it is. I try awkward. not to think about it too much, but <laughs> yeah, Tonks, Tonks you, is essentially like five years old at this point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, most you know, uh, some people are gonna make some means of that. So I just wanted you to be aware of of that possibly. But hey, that's you're not to blame. You didn't create that age gap. Also, Remus is not there. Mm-hmm. Like it's serious, and James kind of just walking through the house like routine. Yeah, that's still gonna. It's still gonna be made though. It's still gonna like, be made for sure. A hundred percent is gonna be made. But oh, yeah, there's nothing. Someone make about it. one of our followers. Please make that meme with no with no exact. You have to wait for the movie to come out because we have no art or yeah. anything. Just got to figure it out. Yeah. All right. So a pregnant Lily hugs James when he arrives and they share a kiss. We're bringing PDA back to Harry Potter. (laughs) I guess. I mean, they're married. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. If they were 11, okay, yeah. They'd be like, oh, PDA. But that's still funny. Yeah. Because we don't have a lot of kissing. Like two. in, in, In these films, yeah basically maybe twice there's a few in the book there's probably a few more in the book but Mm -hmm. so peter and sirius kind of jostling around and they make remarks about their favorite future nephew uh lily says they don't know if it's a boy or not and sirius chuckles because he knows better (laughs) uh of course mad eye kind of grumbles away the handshakes and the hugs we'll have time for a catch-up later (laughs) 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 and he brings them into the meeting Elpheus, who's the owner of the house, remarks as they all know that Voldemort has his eyes set on taking down the Muggle government. The, through Mundungus Fletcher, who's kind of their, their mole, they've learned that Voldemort will be making a full siege within the next three days. So it's kind of all hands on deck. And I think a scene would be beneficial here because, of course, this one we're definitely focusing on James because he's really the only one we haven't. 
I mean, other than Peter, of course, but screw him, right? Yeah. I want a scene here with James and Lily discussing the safety of their son and, like, his future. And so they kind of agree that the needs of many outweigh the needs of their own. And after this, they'll come back to the discussion. Yes, especially because now that Harry is coming into the story at this point in time, we can't just ignore it and dismiss it and just be like, hey, we're never going to talk about him. Oh, and then only like at the last 10, 15 minutes of the film, then we'll talk about him. And But this is this is crucial to the whole plot of what is going to happen. And at the end of this trilogy and starting at the beginning of the original Harry Potter series. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't know if I specifically said it. I think I did. But seven months have passed between mm-hmm. between the end of the last battle scene we had and now. And so Harry's basically like, he'll, he'll be here in like a few months at most. Mm-hmm. So now we're kind of moving into act three, which is what I'm titling the Battle of London. So after the meeting closes, people stay behind and say their remarks and Remus and Peter exit through the flu powder. Uh, Remus asks Peter if he'd like to stay over, and Peter politely declines with an excuse to study London wizard history to help prepare for the days ahead. Kind of history is kind of what he kind of likes to study, and that's kind of how he figured out where the coin was, the coin of necromancy was in the last one. But of course he's lying. He starts walking down the street, and when he turns the corner, he disapparates. He arrives and changes to rat form to sneak into Malfoy Manor. At the very same table we see in Deathly Hallows, Peter informs them that the Order knows of their plans, but Voldemort isn't concerned with it, and says it's about time we stand to the Order at our full strength. Take them down all at the same time, and then there's nothing left to stand in our way. And taking them down, meaning the Order of the Phoenix, and And the the Muggle government, all in one go. Yeah. Wow. Severus is there, and he pulls Wormtail aside afterwards to kind of force him to tell him how the Order is doing. Like, how the, basically how the Marauders are doing, but of course he really wants to know how Lily is doing. Peter tells Severus that Lily and James are close to having their son, and he worries about their safety. Severus does? Um, I don't know if or I... Or more specific. Peter. It could be both of them. <clears throat> because Severus, but te- Severus definitely has like a a poker face and so it could be just Peter but Severus really also agrees with him Um, yeah secretly when Peter attempts to inquire why Severus always wants information Severus threatens him out of continuation continuing his asking about it so Severus leaves Peter alone feeling both welcome as a death eater but also alone as he's still having doubts with his chosen path So now we kind of have the calm before the storm. The Order is patrolling around London, specifically around the, the, the government building. Mad-Eye is pretending to be a drunk beggar, and he kind of sends a Patronus through the corner of his mouth through the sewers, which arrives He's at got Lily. Got his flask, probably. Got his flask, yeah. yeah. Some guy walks by, and he like fakes this whole thing. It'd be great. I don't know who we're going to cast as young Mad-Eye, but... I really want to see almost a... Probably me. You? Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> How's your uh, constant vigilance? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> I'm too embarrassed right there. Well, you're going to have to you're gonna have to figure it out I'll, before I'll we film this. I'll practice it. Okay. Yeah, no, I will. But Mad-Eye sends a Patronus through the sewers, which arrives at Lily and Alice, which they're in cloaks to kind of hide their the children they're expecting because they're pre- they're both pregnant and they send a patronus to remus and frank Longbottom. james and sirius are doing patrols in sirius bike and sidecar and just kind of kind of all hell breaks loose basically all of a sudden out of the sky flying dozens of death eaters on broomsticks and the pruitts who i think i mentioned before are ron's uncles they fly in shooting fireworks at them and red sparks down, which the which is a signal for the order to move to defend. 
We see shots of the Pruitts dueling Death Eaters on broomsticks, James and Sirius battling on broomsticks in Sirius's car. We cut to Remus and Peter like waiting and then waiting for them to get closer and then engaging with Death Eaters in front of the Prime Minister's building. Lily and Alice are dueling Death Eaters from behind cars, kind of taking them out one by one. Lily uses magic to unlock and hijack some muggle car. <laughs> desperate times, desperate measures. And then James and Sirius are chased down low to the ground again, and James hops on Sirius' spike to duel them like behind him, kind of back to back. He takes them out, and then of course they get pulled over by the muggle police. <laughs> And what happens in that interaction? Like, I don't know. Is that just, just, is that just a stick? Oh, so, so the battle continues until Voldemort makes his dramatic scene with lightning. Uh huh. And so James and Sirius just do the confundus charm on the Muggle, kind of almost <laughs> like a a wizard Jedi mind trick. Yeah. And so he just is like, I'm gonna, you're gonna leave the city. He's like, I'm gonna leave the city. <laughs> I don't know. And they step on it on the motorbike towards the center of the conflict. Remus and Mad Eye are now dueling a large handful of Death Eaters. Just as Voldemort lands, James, Silly, James, Sirius, Lily, and Alice arrive behind him, and James jinxes Voldemort from behind. So Voldemort rages behind him with a flurry of cursed fire and James and Lily redirected upwards, and it sends flying Death Eaters just flying away, because of course they're just blasted with fire. But, I mean, it doesn't stop the battle, of course. Voldemort begins, like, breaking down the building while Death Eaters protect him, and Dumbledore ultimately jumps in and duels Voldemort and stops the destruction, and the Order kind of fights around him. So it's kind of like Dumbledore versus Voldemort in the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, except like the whole order is fighting all at once. So it's just this inspiring kind of shot. Mm -hmm. And ultimately the orders kind of pushes them away, but just barely. And the order spends time recovering at the headquarters, which how it that kind of wraps up this act. Mm -hmm. And it kind of pans away and it's going to, so, yes, go ahead. So as, as we move into the next one, I feel like, we're heading into familiar territory. Yes, yes. We're heading into an area that if you've read the Harry Potter books, you've seen the films, you'll get most of this, if not all. Yes. Man. Okay, so let's the, do this. this is, yeah. <laughs> let's do this. I don't want to cry this early in the day when we're recording yeah, this. but for, for real. This is like... I feel like I did some creative liberty. Like I had to kind of write it per se, but definitely this is the part of the series that wrote itself that most, but I feel yeah. that it needs to be told in this movie and not, it could not be its own movie. That's my personal take. You know, no, once we, I, as we're submitting this to Warner brothers, they might make their own decisions money wise. Most of them will probably be terrible anyway, because yeah. I mean, you, you look at, you know, the Hobbit series <laughs> where they tried to make an extra movie and just created a whole bunch of stuff that never happened and doesn't make sense within the context of the story as a whole. And yeah, they got another movie out of it and made five dollars off of it, but and they made five more like five hundred million dollars. <laughs> right. Yes. But they're not considered good. That's true. They're not like well well renowned. Right. I would rather so, have a three mm -hmm. hour, three and oh, a half yeah. hour movie. Yes. Especially now, this could work. Nowadays, well, now ever since Marvel, when Marvel, ever since Endgame, it, Endgame kind of yeah. paved the way. Yeah. And then we're getting the Snyder Cut, which is over four hours, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> don't remind me so. of that. <laughs> Tim and I have to review that next month. I don't want to think about yeah. it. Oh, sorry. I'm All excited, right, but also, yeah. Totally different subject. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're going to completely shift gears where we're not talking about any of our Marauders characters for a minute. And we're going to only talk about Regulus Black. If you've read Harry Potter, you know exactly where I'm going. Don't, there's no plot twists. We're doing exactly what you think. This part really wasn't included in the movies though. So if you haven't read the books, this might be a little harder to follow. 
Regulus has been regretting joining the Death Eaters because of how far and how dark Voldemort and his followers will go. He sees his dark mark grow darker, like the tattoo on his arm, which is of course a call, and he disapparates. And he arrives to see Voldemort, and he's like, you requested to see me, my lord. Voldemort requires his assistance, specifically the use of his house elf, Creature. Regulus summons Creature, who appears, of course, tells Creature to obey the Dark Lord, and upon the Dark Lord's request, Regulus leaves. Later, Creature comes back just tortured, basically, and Regulus makes him tell him everything that happened. So, kind of learning the whole information of how Voldemort took Creature to the, the underground lake, he made, him cut it, he made him cut the hand to enter, the whole thing with Half-Blood Prince. And basically, Regulus figures out that Voldemort has to be guiding, guarding something, and he basically figures out that he must be hiding a Horcrux, because when he makes grandiose claims of his immortality, that's how he must be achieving immortality. So... Regulus and Creature go to the same lake from Half-Blood Prince. Regulus makes Creature give him the potion. They switch the lockets. And then Regulus orders Creature to leave him and destroy it. So this scene is just ridiculously tragic because Regulus gives his life and Creature must witness the master he loves die for this cause. Because Regulus goes for the water and he's grabbed and drowned by Inferi, which are of course like the wizard zombies that we see in Half-Blood Prince. I feel like that's the first of many tragic deaths. Though. And I think we'll see. it kind of helps us get into the right mindset. It definitely yeah. brings an emotional pull, but because we don't know him super well, it won't be the same, so it kind of helps us pave the way. Gets, a, gets, a, gets us into that state of mind. Yeah, absolutely. And the next scene will be Dumbledore. He's meeting Sibyl Trulani, who becomes the divination professor, but this is a job interview. He's meeting her at the Hogshead. Very polite. He you know, has to explain he couldn't bring her into Hogwarts because of the war. Um, and he kind of asks Sybil just to talk about herself and her family and her experience with divination telling the future. Of course, Dumbledore is very tired at this point. You can kind of see that in his face. Sybil doesn't really get very far before she breaks into a trance, telling Dumbledore the prophecy. <laughs> Which we know, of course, all of this, but the one to defeat the Dark Lord being born on July 31st. To a family who have Anakin thrice Skywalker. divided him. Yes. God, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the chosen one. Sorry, wrong movie. Wrong franchise. Uh, sorry, yeah. Um, I, want, now you're, I wanted to ask them about Star Wars, but I'm not going to. Different <laughs> okay. podcast. Dumbledore is, of course, shocked, and he looks around to see who is listening, not noticing Severus, who tries to kind of sneak away, but he's apprehended by Aberforth. But only Severus only heard part of it. He didn't hear the whole thing. So Severus tells Voldemort what he heard, and Voldemort immediately jumps to it having to be the Potter's son, which of course Severus tries to like smoothly advise him that it could be the Longbottom's child, because of course he doesn't want it to be the Potter's boy, but he couldn't tell Voldemort that. He doesn't deter Voldemort's thinking, and of course Severus believes he's made a terrible mistake. So now we get a new look at the scene that we kind of briefly saw in Severus's memory where he's begging Dumbledore not to kill him as Dumbledore just arrives in all this power and fright. And he warns Dumbledore to hide them, protect him, and in turn he'll do anything. Becoming a double agent for Dumbledore. So there's some serious acting for Severus here. I think he pretty much has to be, he has to be Alan Rickman. I don't know a better way of saying it. No, that's that's the only way to say it, really. Yeah. And of course, Jude Law has to be Michael Gambon, but he can do it. Yeah. 
The scene changes to the Potter house. Lily is like about to have Harry like any moment. They're planning their trip to St. Mungo's, which is the hospital, the wizard hospital. Dumbledore arrives through, through flu powder. I cannot speak. Dumbledore arrives through flu powder. <laughs> Poo flouter. That's what he arrives through. All right. He warns them of the highest danger they will be in once the child is born. And they discuss the Fidelius charm, which is the secret keeping charm. Dumbledore offers himself to be their secret keeper, but James makes a different call. So that's the question I have. Um, yeah. What reason would James possibly give for Dumbledore not being the secret keeper? I don't know. All I know is that Dumbledore did offer himself, and I know that they decided not to. Not to. And James yeah. kind of chooses Sirius as the secret keeper. Right. And right. then Sirius secretly, last second, makes a switch where he's like, I will be the fake secret keeper and Peter Pettigrew will be the real one. And they'll never expect it. And they'll go for mm -hmm. me and I'll keep them away. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But James says, like, Sirius has to be the one, I guess. He'll tell Dumbledore that. Mm-hmm. And so aside from this conversation, James asked Dumbledore about like his invisibility cloak and if he had a chance to study it anymore. And Dumbledore remarked how he'd had little time to investigate it. Just kind of an aside, because Dumbledore has the invisibility cloak. Mm -hmm. So we have a scene of the three marauders kind of waiting in the downstairs while Lily is, has to give birth in their own home upstairs because they can't leave. Like they can't go to the hospital because they'll be expected there. And Sirius and, P and Remus remark how they must protect all three of them at all costs. And like Peter is so important in that because he's their secret keeper. Peter is privately quite distraught because he does not want to betray James and Lily. And so you can see he kind of holds on to the secret for at least a little while. He doesn't immediately give them away as is kind of said by Sirius and Remus because it's like they're so mad about it obviously mm -hmm. yeah so we have a kind of sober, somber montage that takes us through the multiple deaths of order members um, and the order meetings just being fewer and fewer members every time does that would that include like what happens to the long bottoms no because they no. they don't get tortured till after Voldemort disappears. Mm, okay. okay. So I guess we could show like the Longbottoms kind of like, and also they're kind of in hiding too, because Neville was just born as well. They're born on the same day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sirius is speaking to James at their house, and James is just desperate to hear news because he has to lock himself up at home. <laughs> But Sirius is only bringing sad news that the Order is just dying left and right. James remarks that he just has to help, but Sirius argues that Lily and Harry are more important. Sirius hugs James, and Sirius leaves out of the fireplace. Next is the scene we all know. Voldemort enters the Potter home. And this has been... This story's been told like a dozen times, so... I want it to happen maybe a little differently than sometimes it's been told. Sometimes it's said that like James is playing with Harry and he doesn't have his wand and he just gets beaten by Voldemort. That kind of feels ridiculous and like a betrayment. Like I feel like he would be more prepared. Yeah, but I also don't I also don't think that he should do very much cuz we still want to establish Voldemort, you know, just as he easily overpowered uh, the Marauders in a couple of scenes in this movie yeah. and maybe previously, we want him to have that kind of same, that same dominance, yeah. but not make James look like An he idiot. wasn't a great wizard either. Yeah. Cause James is like probably one of the best wizards in the order of the Phoenix, other than mm -hmm. Dumbledore, of course, Mad-Eye and like Remus and right. Sirius. Yeah. So I want there to be a duel, but of course, James is going to fail and be killed. 
Voldemort offers to spare Lily, but she refuses and he kills her right in front of Harry. And then of course, Voldemort attempts to kill Harry, but the curse rebounds and Voldemort is killed for the first time. Severus enters the house as soon as he kind of realizes what has happened. He might have been watching the house, who knows. He weeps holding Lily, but when he hears Hagrid and Sirius weeping downstairs over James, he leaves, he disapparates. Hagrid tries to stop him, but Sirius sends the Patronus to Dumbledore, sending the message, gives, the, gives his motorbike keys to Hagrid, and disapparates because he's going to hunt down Peter. Mm, yeah. Like, he's just, he's pissed. Sirius has his confrontation scene with Peter that we all know, so he kind of corners him in the London street because he knows. They're the only two that know. Maybe Remus yeah. knows. But Peter causes an explosion, kills a bunch of muggles, cuts his finger off, turns into a rat, and disappears. And so Sirius is like now the criminal. And so Sirius is going to ask a ban, but he's almost okay with it because he knows he got revenge for James and Lily and Harry. Mm-hmm. So our story ends with the wizard world celebrating, but the order is mourning over James and Lily. Remus is the only marauder left at James and Lily's funeral in Godric's Hollow. And the story ends with Remus and Dumbledore hoping for a better world, but knowing in their hearts that Voldemort will inevitably return all the same. The end directed by David Yates. Maybe. Wow, I, I, this one could be directed by David Yates, but the other two, I don't know. Yeah, I need a stronger color palette than he would offer for the other two. <laughs> I don't. Have we talked about it before on this podcast? Yeah, we have. Over the color palettes, of a David little bit. Yates. David Yates yeah. is like a black and white movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and Chris Columbus yeah. is like a rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Yeah, so we've kind of literally brought us straight up to the beginning of Harry Potter and the source, the beginning scene of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Sorcerer's Stone, yeah. Wow. Man, what do you think of the whole trilogy? You know, I think it does a really good job of, like you said, when we, when we talked about this, one of the things that you wanted to do it's to create a story based on what we've heard in the original Harry Potter series. You know, you heard about James, you heard about Lily, you heard about Sirius, Peter, Remus, all these guys. Okay. What would their, what would their journey look like? And when you add this, this prequel series to the original what it will do is that it will give it will give the sadness and the gravity of Voldemort killing Lily and James Potter. It it gives you the sense of sadness for Sirius because he was the you know he could have been the keeper. Right. And he thought that he was doing the right thing and the smart thing by passing it off to Peter. You see how Peter gets to betraying the Potters, always being, you know, the last person people thought about most of the time. But he becomes one of the most important people because of what he did, unfortunately. So I think this is this is a very good series that needs to happen it should happen probably something that should have been focused on before we got fantastic beast and where to find them that's just that's what i think and i think just that's also jk rowling's personal 
mm-hmm. like yeah. Vendetta. And I'm kind of in the camp where, especially Star Wars has done this and had some success at least with it. J.K. Rowling doesn't have to do every single Harry Potter thing for it to be good or or amazing. And I know it's kind of a tough to pick directors and writers and stuff, but I think there's people out there that could really do this justice. Yeah. That are not David Yates or J.K. Rowling. Right. But the the thing to say about that is you have to you have to find people who really love this stuff. Yeah. Like not just pe- not just people who have done good works before cuz I mean we saw that with Ryan Johnson, JJ Abrams and Star Wars. Like they liked it, but they weren't they weren't necessarily Star Wars people. Someone like Dave Filoni who worked on The Mandalorian he was a protege of George Lucas. And so he knew how to be faithful to what Star Wars originally was, which was George Lucas's thing. Can we find someone like that for J.K. Rowling? If she doesn't want to do it. And I feel like with the Fantastic Beast, she was reaching for something. And maybe reaching a little bit too much. I think so, too. So. And of course, which, my favorite character is the last Marauder. Right. Remus Lupin. And I don't know if I expressed this right, but I think Remus is not aware of the change to the secret keeper. So he thinks it's serious, but really serious. Yeah. Kind and of that would make sense because Peter, of how yeah. he appears in Prisoner of Azkaban. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Remus thinks that A, Sirius betrayed the Potters, and B, he killed Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, right. So with that being said, Spencer, where are we going from here? I mean, we just finished the writing room series. For, well, even before that, how do you feel about it? Like, how do you feel about this, this was, series? I really enjoyed making this whole thing. I kind of feel relieved because this was definitely the hardest I've worked on a podcast project so far. I say that. I did, you know, a 17-episode Marvel series. But this definitely was more creatively driven and, and writing. And really, I just hope that... I feel like listeners, it's like this weird thing where I feel like the things we care about doing the most or we enjoy the most doing are listened to the least and the opposite. So I just Mm -hmm. never, I never know what people are going to listen to, what our most popular episodes are going to be. But I hope if you're listening that you really enjoyed this whole Harry Potter week and this whole trilogy. Um, We'll see. I I think uh, my phone won't stop ringing because Warner Brothers just, it's desperate to hear me sign a contract with them, but mm. oh, but you need to have you need to have some demands. Of, I have demands. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, like creativity control. Like, yeah, yeah. If they do something that you don't like, like they don't get the rights to your project. Yeah, like that kind of thing. And of course, I get to meet with J.K. Rowling and like suggestions she makes. I just get to tell her uh, no or yes. <laughs> Mostly no. Mostly no. Yeah. Yeah. What if Peter pooped on the floor and and made it disappear? You know what? I'm going to have to put my foot down. <laughs> put my foot down. No, no, no. That's not happening. No, no. no, no. no. I want him to poop on the ceiling. God. <laughs> I'm sorry for the bathroom jokes, but that's also a thing that she definitely tweeted. So it's yeah, not exactly I'm, a I'm, joke. I'm committed to having forcing us to have an explicit logo on a podcast episode (laughs) and that's how i'm gonna do it baby gosh so i i hope that you've enjoyed this the show of requirement will continue i think we might take a few weeks off but then do we want to tell them what the next episode is i'm pretty excited for it also i also am excited especially based off what we just talked about with Dumbledore being involved. I think we've already alluded to it at the Christmas yeah. special. We mentioned it. So I think we can mention it now that the next yes. episode will be. So the next, I, I went ahead and, and named it. Yeah. Uh, I, I like called it. it. I called it the faces of Dumbledore. So obviously you know that there's three people who have portrayed Dumbledore within these Harry Potter films. I mean, obviously you have Jude Law. You have what's his name? I can't remember the other two. Richard Armitage. Yeah. Does that sound right? And then Maybe. Michael Gambon. Yes. 
So we're going to talk about all three and their influences that they've had over this character. <sighs> Richard Harris. Sorry. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot those names. I'm just so in love with Jude Law. I can't think of anything else. Oh but we're going to talk about, you know, the influence that they've that they've had on this character specifically, which is one of my favorite characters in Harry Potter. And just really just dive in to who Dumbledore was and why he's so important and crucial to this story for sure. Absolutely. Well, on behalf of David, this is Spencer signing off for the show of requirement on the gazebo effect podcast mischief managed. Yes, you said it. Yes.